0: Tell me if you've heard this one before. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Roper, and welcome to the Richard Roper Podcast. We're going to talk today about uh, remakes, reboots, reimaginings, continuations, whatever you want to call them seems like every week there's either a new TV show or a new movie that's not really new. It's a remake of something we've seen in the, especially in the 80s and 90s, it seems like. That's where we're getting most of these remakes. So we're going to talk about some of the better ones, some of the not-so-good ones, and why this is happening to us. Before that, though, here's your reminder. The Richard Roper Show is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's online business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, web development, e-commerce, mobile apps, and digital marketing to drive your overall business's success because they believe that today's online world is your online opportunity.
1: My name is Velma Dinkley, and I've decided to finally share the bone chilling events that drove me to assemble the greatest team of spooky mystery solvers ever. This is my story, told my way. The rules feel a bit muddy. Muddy? Oh, sorry I'm not a drunk on the verge of losing custody like every other woman solving murders these days. All our classmates are idiots, so let's assume they're high.
0: You know what 420 is, right?
1: Um, yeah, it's code for adults who still watch cartoons.
0: Okay, you just heard a clip from Velma that is the new Adult targeted animation series playing on HBO Max. Uh, the great Mindy Kaling. I love Mindy uh, voicing the character of Velma. As you probably know, this is a kind of an origin story for Velma from the whole Scooby Doo universe. Uh, Scooby-Doo is a cartoon that came out in the late 60s Became kind of a cult hit And it won't go away I don't know why, I was never a huge fan Sorry, I just never was a, a huge fan of the whole Scooby-Doo thing But whatever, a lot of people love it Um, And there have been different movies And spin-offs And TV series Over this decades uh, About those crime-fighting kids And uh, the, I think it, what is he, a Great Dane? What is that dog? He's a Great Dane, right? Uh, that helped solve crimes. That's the deal. They're a bunch of kids. People seem to think there's a lot of stoner humor going on there, and they got a big dog, and they got a van, and they they, they they solve crimes. That's the deal, right? So for Velma, it's very, you know, kind of dark and cynical, and it's all about before the gang got together. Uh, it doesn't have the dog in it because of some rights issues, but all the other characters have been reimagined or kind of given uh, different storylines. Velma is um this outcast kid who's very cynical kind of nasty kind of a mean girl and there's a series of murders at her high school and she sets out to solve them that's the deal there um i thought it was kind of awful to be honest with you um just because you have cartoon nudity and animated violence doesn't make something cool and hip and um the, my problem my biggest problem with velma and you can probably tell a little bit from that clip there is Everybody in Velma talks like a very clever young TV writer who has grown up on TV throughout the series. They're just making every pop culture reference imaginable and even comment on what's going on right now. They'll say, oh, is this time for my flashback? Or are we going to have a title card like Tarantino does in his movies? Uh, Oh, this is the way it always works out uh, for different types and stereotypes in stories like ours and i found it to be more exhausting uh, than funny and that's you know that kind of brings me to the to the larger point at hand here guys is that you know i can't i can't even count i tried to count uh, i gave up around 70 all of the recent tv remakes and reboots and movie remakes and reboots uh we also had recently uh the the reimagined house party movie uh, let's take a listen to 2023 house party. Yeah. Ooh, got Miami shit, Cleveland shit, LA shit. Damn, bigger city, bro. Oh my God. We
1: in LeBron's house. LeBron who? James. I need 10 Gs by next week. I gotta pay for my daughter's school. LeBron, they on vacation. How about
0: we throw the party
1: in the King's house?
0: We're going to invite all the celebrities.
1: We can make 10 times the money. We can send Destiny to preschool,
0: college, whatever. Tonight is our last shot. Looks like we about to throw up.
1: house. Bye.
0: Okay, so that's a, it's a kind of a retelling of the story from the movie, from oh my gosh, can it really be thirty years ago? A kid in play, and you know the original movie uh, had kind of an almost. It listen, it had a, it had some really interesting social commentary. You know, there's these two white cops who keep uh, stopping people because they are committing the crime of being black, and it's got a lot of commentary on that and some other social and, and political stuff in it. But it's really kind of a sweet natured film when you go back and watch House Party, and very small. The house party in question takes place in a working class home. Uh, where there's almost no drinking or eating going on, or crazy partying, it's about all about the dancing. And in fact, uh, the party gets called off because a toilet breaks. Just that small thing, a toilet breaks. and That's like, get out of the house. And a lot of the uh, main action in house party actually takes place outside the party. But to me, one of the running jokes, although so they, they never comment on it, but I rewatching it recently, I thought it was great was when people come to the house party in house party, they knock at the door. Even the villains knock at the door. Like, like if you won't let us in, there's no way for us to get in. So compared to the wildly over the top epic, gigantic, and I say epic, not in a great way, but just meaning you know, grand in scale party in in the new house party, uh, the two guys, the party promoters who throw the party are like pushing 30. And they work in a cleaning business, but they're so bad at that they get fired. Uh, And they decide to throw this uh, once-in-a-lifetime party and charge a, a ton of money and invite a bunch of celebrities because they happen to be cleaning LeBron James's house when they get fired from their cleaning job. LeBron James is a producer of this movie. He makes a cameo as LeBron James. This is the second movie after Space Jam that LeBron James has put his considerable clout behind. And in both cases, the newer versions were worse than the originals. Uh, with house party, it's all about again, it's like one celebrity cameo after another, one giant party scene after another, but there's no heart to the story, really. No, no, no real story to the story. So it's like, why are we remaking this just for the sake of remaking it? It was the uh, the late great Gene Siskel who said 25 years ago, at least, maybe longer because remakes have been around forever. It's nothing new It's just now become an explosion because there are so many different platforms. But Gene Siskel was the one who said like, you know, why are you remaking uh, something that people loved? Why not look back at a film that was an interesting mixed, you know, kind of near miss, you know, a, a failure, something that had a good script or an interesting cast, but didn't quite work for whatever reason and try to redo that. I mean, they remade psycho for God's sake. And the remake's not bad. It's almost shot for shot, but what's the point? We have psycho available to us. And I, I feel like with these TV shows, we just got uh, night court is coming back and John Larroquette is reprising his role. So that's more of a continuation, right? Uh, and now, uh, Harry, who was the judge, I believe it's his daughter is now the judge in night court. And it's like, I think for the networks in particular and certainly for for a lot of the streaming platforms, it's a safe thing because there's built in audience, whether it's uh, boomers, millennials, Gen Z, whatever the hell they are. There's always a a generation that grew up loving these shows, even if they weren't great shows, because these shows are connected to their childhood and they have warm memories of watching these shows. So it's kind of easy to say either let's reimagine the whole thing or let's get who's left from the cast and wants to do this. You know, to, to to do a new version of it. Uh, we just recently got uh, that 90s show on Netflix. Now, this is a continuation of that 70s show.
1: Out down the I got it. Hey, Grandma. Hey, Grandpa. Leia. Tell me about Chicago. What are you into? I'm a pretty big deal in Debate Club. That's not up for debate. Yeah, I'm not popular. Why did you open our house to chaos again? All oh, the dumbasses were gone. But oh, all I know is that I'm going to love her and stand behind her no matter what. That is a great idea. Because when you stand behind your kids, it's easy to, to your foot in your ass. Ass. Yeah, we got it, Dad. Yeah. Thanks.
0: So that 70s show came out in late 90s, early 2000s. That 90s show comes out in 2023. So they're both nostalgia pieces. Uh, That 70s show was one of those programs. I was never a huge fan. First of all, it was a a very clever premise, you know, because we were having nostalgia for the 70s, believe it or not, right around the year 2000. Uh, The other thing is they got this terrific cast of pretty much unknown actors, Topher Grace. Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, uh, Laura Preppen, you know, all these great young actors who, you know, really hadn't uh, done a ton till then. And then you had, you know, the, the wonderful uh, veteran actors playing the parents. And, you know, the, the, the revolutionary thing there was its acknowledgement of the, you know, the stoner culture and that famous circle cam thing they do in the basement where we'd see the point of view of, uh, you know, all the characters as they're stoned and and making wacky observations. You know, you go back on it. It's one of those shows. um, It never was a huge buzz show. It never cracked even, I think, the top 40 in ratings. It was a solid performer because it was on Fox. Fox at the time did not have a ton of hit shows. They were by far the fourth network. So it was a good, solid performer for them, helped establish them as a real player in prime time with original programming, and, uh, you know, had a nice eight-year run. So now for that 90s show... Ah, uh, the characters from the original, uh, you know, Kelso and 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 Donna and everybody, um, they'd be like late thirties, right? And they do make a lot of the actors uh, do make cameo appearances. Uh, it's set in the in the same house in Wisconsin, uh, but it's really about the next generation of kids. So it follows this new group of teenagers, but it's you know it's it's a it's very sitcom, you know, laugh track, you know, simple sets. Uh, Simple camera setups, the jokes are wrong, you know, a lot of Brett Favre type humor or Alanis Morissette to remind us we're in the 90s. Again, it's like, well, I guess, you know, it's comfort viewing for people. They want to revisit the same sets and some of the same characters. But again, with a lot of these, rem- I, I don't see the point. Uh, you know, it, it that 90s show, are we going to get that 2010s show in, in 20 years? Be kind of an awkward title, so we've had Fuller House and Saved by the Bell and iCarly and Gilmore Girls and Gossip Girls and Party of Five and Party Down, One Day at a Time. One Day at a Time that that reimagining was actually really good. Uh, various Battlestar Galactica's uh, i Magnum PI. I Saw a commercial for Magnum PI the other day. I think that's been on for a while. I didn't even really redid that one. And uh, Fraggle Rock and Fresh Prince. They did as a more uh, serious drama. I don't know that any of these are better than the original. I like, you know, the answer, Jerry Seinfeld, someone asked him again recently, are you ever going to, you know, get the gang back together? And he's like, no, because what are we going to do? Have them, you know, live in, Kramer and Jerry. They, there was an episode of Seinfeld where he imagined what that would be like when they were like in their 50s or 60s. And it was a nightmare to him. And, you know, they kind of really did do the Seinfeld reunion on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And they had the whole storyline where Larry uh, really just wanted to get his wife, Cheryl, back, uh, decided that he was going to redo it. And they had Julia Louis-Dreyfus come back and Jason Alexander and Michael Richards. And they brought the set back and they had a whole you know updated storyline. So they kind of really did do the Seinfeld reunion show. And Friends, I think they did the right thing just by having the cast get together and reminisce on the set, the reconstructed set, if you will, of of the show but I think in a lot of these cases man just leave it alone. You know, they're they're better in the past. Now in the world of movies, if anything it's even more uh, of a trend. Well, Disney's first of all is remaking everything and I think it's actually really really smart business sense because they made you know they made a lot of animated movies that became huge hits like in the 90s, then they said, "Wait a minute, why don't we do live action versions of these?" And now they're doing uh, reboots if you will or reimaginings of the animated films in a lot of cases, you know, you're getting a more diverse cast, a more interesting casting, great young talent. And why not? I mean, in that case, you listen, they've got the property. They're going to make billions redoing some of these films. And I've, I've actually, I know, a lot of people haven't loved a lot of the live action uh, remakes. I think some of them have been pretty good. And I love the idea of like, for example, the new little mermaid that's coming up. Uh, I want to give you a quick list here of some of the movies. Now, I'll I'll preface this by saying, listen, a lot of these are probably never going to come to fruition just because something is in development doesn't mean it's ever going to get filmed. Some of them actually are greenlit and good to go. But this is just a short list of films that are that have there's been announcements and reportage saying they're going to do another new version of it. Ace Ventura, which I think is a monumental mistake because Ace Ventura is a one-man Jim Carrey show. That's that's exact. I mean, that's what it is. It was one of the things that, you know, had Jim Carrey's star ascending to the very top of Hollywood because he owned that character in that film. I'm not necessarily, I don't know. There's a lot of great comics out there. I, who would take that role? Why would you want to do that? Uh, American Werewolf in London, which is actually a terrific film. Big Trouble in Little China. I think they should leave that alone. This one, we talked a little bit about Psycho. There are reports that they're going to remake Hitchcock's The Birds. And that, to me, is like, are you nuts? Yeah, maybe, you know, with, with CGI and and the new technology, there are a couple of scenes in The Birds where the birds are, you know, clearly not there, or you'll see some stuffed birds or whatever. But it's still terrifying as hell. I mean, why? you know, it's like the gall i think the chutzpah if you will to say i'm gonna remake hitchcock is like okay what next godfather don't even say it uh blade the blob car wash is another film that they're gonna redo and i I could see that being a pretty cool streaming series uh the original car wash has this incredible cast it's very much of the 70s amazing soundtrack of course the title song by rose royce is one of the great title themes of all time uh, the Fugitive. Now, of course, The Fugitive was a remake because Fugitive was a great, you know, iconic television show with David Jansen in the 60s. But The the Fugitive, Andy Davis's Fugitive, with, of course, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, is like a near perfect film, The Fugitive. And it's very much of the 90s. There's calls from pay phones and there's, you know, certain things that, you know, wouldn't happen because the technology wouldn't allow it to happen. And that's why it's so great. It's of its time. I would never dare touch that. Uh, same thing with Memento. Talk of remaking Memento, one of Christopher Nolan's early gems, which, you know, it's, I've, I've, I've watched it so many times and I'm still like, what is happening here? But that's the genius of it. Uh, they're remaking Roadhouse, and some people are like, how dare you make Roadhouse? You know, it had the great, late, great Patrick Swayze and Kelly Lynch and and Sam Elliott. Ben Gazzara was the villain. Ah, you know, listen, go ahead, have fun. Roadhouse is, is, listen, it's very entertaining, but it's pure trash. You know, it's it's a B-movie through and through. So I don't have any problem with that. In terms of endearment, I think it's folly to, to try to remake, you know, such a classic film. And on and on it goes. Listen, we always give these movies and TV shows a chance, but... I'm still all about people doing original stuff. That's why uh, even lower level, lower grade M night Shyamalan. I'm like, listen, this guy's been for 25 years now trying to do something different. Jordan Peele's uh, films are event films, you know, the masters like Spielberg and Scorsese continue to to turn out, you know, original films or in Spielberg's case, like really let's, let's do West side story almost as a tribute as well as a, a remake. So We'll see. There's going to be a lot more remakes and reboots coming our way. Uh, On the other side of this break, let's talk about some stuff that's uh, just coming out right now. Here's Rokan to tell you about Portillo's.
1: Let me tell you about our friends at Portillo's, the finest fast casual experience you're going to have in all of dining Portillo's. You know, not just hot dogs. A lot of, you know when it started in Chicago, people are like, "Oh, it's a hot dog shop." Oh wait, oh wait, we got we got Italian beef. Wait, we got Italian sausage. Wait, you got chocolate cake. <laughs> nice. Oh man, it's just uh, it's just one of the great experiences you can have. And I I think I just said this a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. If you live somewhere where Portillo's is new, in California, Arizona, parts of Florida, check it out. Go have the chocolate cake you get a little slice of home if you're from the midwest you're from chicago or you're from the east coast too because you know that that food will be very familiar to you as street food and i know what you're thinking you're like ah you know i'm I'm gonna you know it's gonna be so heavy it's not Mm. and can i just tell you something Mm. the best thing about portillo's Mm. is that bun that they put the italian beef on that you get now when you get that dipped and it gets all wet yeah that is the perfect piece of bread. <laughs> and, you know, carbs be damned. You can do it once a month. You're sure. not going to hurt anything. You'll be fine. Portillos.com. P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S. Is how you spell that, Portillos.com. Find a store near you or order online. And you can get it anywhere in the United States of America Portillos.com.
0: Okay, welcome back to the Richard Roper Podcast. I'm Richard Roper. A uh, couple of new releases I wanted to talk about. There's a film called uh, When You Finish Saving the World that's just hitting theaters. Why don't we take a listen to uh, a little clip from When You Finish Saving the World.
1: And when you called the police. I called them. You're in the right place, you're safe, and you'll have two beds for as long as you need. He's my little knight in shining armor. Oh, it's true, kids are just pure love, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What the hell are you doing? Installing a red beacon light so people know when I'm live streaming. And by people, you... I mean you. Ziggy, are you happy? I think so. Why are you asking me? Because I'm reading this article about
0: teen suicide,
1: and it's highest in your age group. Okay, thanks, Dad. Mom's home! When you were a little boy, you were my little ally. Your life was going to be happier. You were going to be one of the good ones. Can you take me to school?
0: Are you ready to go right now? I'm right here, dude. Okay, so this is the directorial uh, feature debut from Jesse Eisenberg, the terrific actor. Everybody knows Uh, it's based on an audio drama that Jesse Eisenberg uh, wrote, and now it's a feature film uh, premiered at Sundance in 2022, now coming to theaters. So the background here is Julianne Moore plays uh, a woman who works at a shelter in a Midwestern town. Uh, Very She's very socially conscious. She's got a hippie mentality. Uh, her husband, uh, played by J.O. Sanders, who's a terrific uh, character actor. He's an academic. They have a son named Ziggy, who's played by Finn Wolfhart from uh, The Stranger Things. You might have heard of that show. Uh, he's a teenager, and he he composes these songs, and he's got this YouTube following of like 20,000 people. And he's a little bit of a, you know, sort of an interweb, internet YouTube star. Uh, and it's all about this dysfunctional family and how, even though they're the type of people, you know, when you finish saving the world, kind of when you finish saving the world, look at your family, you know, they're all very liberal and they're all very into causes and and trying to do things to, to change things for the better. But they, they treat each other like shit basically. Cause they're all narcissists and, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, you know, writing and directing this Finn Wolfhard is clearly playing the kind of character that Jesse Eisenberg would have played, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Very much like Woody Allen would have younger actors be his doppelgangers. You know, the the smart, quick-witted, fast-talking, intellectual wannabe uh, who's also completely unaware of how he can really turn people off. That's the character he's playing. But they're all kind of like that in this movie. It's got some interesting points to make, and then I feel like it just fizzles out because it keeps you know showing us these characters and kind of how awful they really are even though they don't realize they are, and how they casually mistreat and ignore one another because they want things their way. And it keeps making the same point over and over. So it's kind of a two and a half star you know, review for me on the fence, guys, but I, I wouldn't say to rush out to check out when you finish saving the world. I gotta say the same for the accused. This is a series on Fox. Reading people is my job my read is, they are good people, caught up in a bad situation.
1: Court is now in session. Will the defendant please rise? You can tell me the truth. Ingrid was a very smart girl. You will find it. The only way we get justice is by getting it ourselves.
0: What if he does what I'm afraid of? But my gut tells me that he will do. We all make mistakes. All of us. And I really like the premise of this. This is based on, a, uh, I believe, a, a British series. And each week, it's, a, it's an anthology, but it's a self contained series, if you will. So each week, there's a crime. And we we start off seeing the defendant going into court, and then we flashback and see the crime they're accused of. And it's got this amazing uh, cast, different different actors every week, getting some great roles, some terrific directors, and it's it's very much, you know, hot button issues. Um, in the premiere episode, Michael Chiklis plays the father of a teenage boy who is clearly troubled; he keeps getting into trouble at school he's making threats and we see in flashbacks that this kid has been basically a bad kid for a long time but now he's threatening violence and chiklis's characters he doesn't know what to do because you can't call the police and say i think my kid is going to go to school with a gun one day but he does believe that and then some horrible things happen and then we get to the trial portion of the drama each one of them self-contained like that uh, what i found was that There was a lot of heavy-handed preaching going on, great performances in almost every episode. But at 45 minutes or so, they don't really flesh out the story. You kind of know what's going to happen. Some episodes are better than others. A lot of them are about parents uh, dealing with difficulties with their families. There's another one with uh, the legendary Keith Carradine playing uh, an aging uh, rock star like a rock star in his 70s who's still beloved and his son's a, an addict and he keeps trying to help him but there's a certain point where maybe it's better to let his son end his life but does that make you uh, criminally negligent so it's it's a lot of hot button issues well acted but I thought it was a little thinly sketched to be honest with you I'll segue from that to uh, our final entry and this is great stuff guys this is a show called poker face coming out on peacock what's it like
1: always knowing the truth there's nothing mystical about it i could just tell and anyone is lying yeah. i know what you did you psycho you're gonna find charlie kill, and you're gonna bring it to me I guess i'm not over the part where you're a human lie detector yeah i know it's uh it's crazy you ever gamble because you can make a killing <laughs> nah i've been in the red, please. but it must have been a wrong, time. wrong time.
0: this is again an, an anthology uh but very different in tone first of all very kind of almost uh, I don't want to say Tarantino esque but let's just say that uh, it's got a, a a certain great edge to it. The wonderful Natasha Leone plays a character, and the reason that the, the series is called Poker Face is she has this incredible ability and she used it in poker games before she was pretty much banned from every poker game, not to cheat, but she could read your face. She can read you and tell if you're lying or telling the truth. She doesn't have a supernatural ability. It's not some mystic gift. It's not a superpower, but she can almost always tell if someone's lying or telling the truth, which can be a great gift, but also a great curse. And in the opening episode, it's said in a casino, uh, Adrian Brody runs a casino. Benjamin Bratt is his kind of henchman. Some murders occur, and, and Natasha Leone's character finds herself in the middle of it all because she knows he, she could tell who's telling the truth and who's not. Then she goes on the run, and then every subsequent episode, it's very much we mentioned the fugitive, like the fugitive, where there's an ongoing story about how people are pursuing her and want to end her, but she keeps finding herself in these situations where crimes get committed and she doesn't really want to play private detective but she feels this moral obligation to do so it's called poker face on peacock we're very early in the year but i think it'll probably be on my list the top 10 new series of 2023 all right everybody that's it for this edition of the richard roper podcast thanks to everyone as always and we'll talk again real soon